Hey kids, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast you're going to love. On behalf of myself, Morgan Rector, of one of the most horrific true crime podcasts, Human Monsters, I'd like to ask you this question. Do you like to travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Fun fact, there is a morgue on every cruise ship. After all, people die everywhere. Why wouldn't they die on a cruise ship in the Bahamas? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. Murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband, and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and what-the-fuck stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater, each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway, and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club. A daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs, and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. 
And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Welcome to the Human Monsters Highlights of 2023. Before I begin, I would like to thank each and every one of you who has been a part in the incredible growth the show has shown this year. Our YouTube channel is expanding in numbers, over 30,000 subscribers now, and with each like, review, follow, and subscription, you have contributed by making us feel that all the hours of work and research was worth the while. We would, of course, appreciate it if you supported us by joining our paid feeds, but in this economy, we are just grateful for all the clicks and listens. As we look back on another whirlwind year, it's clear that the human race will never disappoint in the amount of depravity we are capable of. In today's episode, we will not only be covering shocking cases that hit the headlines with a bang, but also the conclusion of court cases that true crime fiends have been following with glee. So, without further contemplation, let's have a look at what terrible crimes hit the front pages of the newspaper stands this year. Jail Justice It's no secret that life behind bars for a pedophile is a lot more than uncomfortable. To be honest, it sounds outright dangerous. The first case I want to touch on is the case of Dr. Larry Nasser. We covered his crimes this year in a full episode, and I highly recommend you go back and listen to touch on the horrendous crimes this once highly respected doctor committed. To give us a brief overview before the update, Larry worked for over two decades as the doctor for the USA Gymnastics team and abused his power horribly. His crimes of sexual misconduct and child pornography came to light in 2015 and quickly drew the attention of state and federal investigators. He would eventually take a plea deal for first-degree sexual misconduct of minors. To give you an idea of how bad the abuse was, over 150 women and girls would testify against him. He was sentenced to between 40 and 100 years in federal prison. It's been reported that the 59-year-old prisoner was stabbed multiple times in the chest and back during an altercation with another inmate. His condition is not known but it appears to be critical. It's not the first attack on him, and certainly won't be the last. Ian Watkins, 
former singer of the group Lost Prophets, was not so lucky. In 2013, he was sentenced to 23 years in prison for the sexual assault of minors and infants. He was held hostage for six hours by three inmates on the 5th of August this year, but by the time prison officers could free him, his injuries were already dire. He died a couple of days later. Three other famous killers who died in prison this year were Richard Speck, Rodney Alcala, and Ted Kaczynski, just providing once again that despite monsters being able to be human as well, their crimes will live long after their bodies have expired. No more shibusiness. Let's kick this year's annual reflection on the crimes that made the headlines with the conclusion of a case that even an old true crime fiend like myself had their jaw drop in amazement with every report. If the world is a stage and we are merely players, Taylor Shabusiness has secured herself in the leading role of one of the most outrageous crimes and behaviors the world had experienced in a while. She has proven to be dangerous and unmanageable in every aspect of her detention and trial. But you have to admit, she made the newspapers with every antic since her arrest on the 22nd of February 2022 for the murder, sexual assault, and dismemberment of her lover, Chad Therian. Taylor changed her name from Taylor Denise Coronado to Taylor Shabusiness in 2018. The woman who is now 25 years old has had an unstable nomadic life and ended up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the crime occurred. Her social media page states that she values family over everything. She is married to a man called Warren Shabau and has a son who will likely be turning three years old soon. It's unclear where the surname they adopted is from. Warren is currently in prison on federal drug trafficking charges, but should be out by the time this episode airs. He has a tattoo of her name on his neck, but it does not appear that the couple had the most magical of matrimonies, with accusations of cheating, mental illness, and hardcore meth addiction always being present in the relationship. Taylor lost custody of her son when he was only one year old, and this apparently devastated her. While Warren was doing time, Taylor had a relationship with 25-year-old Chad Therian. Their relationship seemed to revolve around drugs, and it would be a drug-fueled sexual romp that would eventually end Chad's life. According to Taylor, Chad had asked her to place a chain around his neck, which would heighten his sexual experience. When Taylor started choking the young man, it appeared that she could not stop. At just before 4 a.m., Chad's mother heard the storm door slam shut. His mother went down to the basement where she found Chad's head in a bucket and covered with a towel. Investigators would later discover that his penis and testicles were underneath the head in the bucket. His mother's boyfriend immediately called the authorities, which kicked off one of the most shocking cases Wisconsin authorities had ever encountered. 
Police officers were dispatched to Chad and Taylor's home, and at the latter's home, they found their suspect covered in blood. A search was conducted of her vehicle, in which a crock pot was discovered, with more human remains. Chad's legs were also found in her vehicle. When police officers asked her what happened, she responded that that was a good question, and that they were going to have fun finding the rest of him. Authorities came to the conclusion that Taylor had strangled Chad to death and for several hours after the murder sexually assaulted the corpse and then dismembered it. His torso and some of his other organs were discovered in a traveling tote, along with the knife presumed to be the murder weapon. The knives she had used had all come from Chad's mother's kitchen, and according to Taylor, the bread knife worked the best. She claimed that she had blacked out after strangling Chad to death and can only remember bits and pieces. She also asked officers if they had ever loved something so much that they had to kill it. Taylor was charged with first-degree intentional homicide, third-degree sexual assault of a corpse, and the mutilation of a corpse. Her bail was set at a whopping $2 million, and her defense attorney, Quinn Jolly, in the beginning tried to actively defend her, mentioning the bipolar diagnosis and that she had received mental health treatment since she was in seventh grade. But on the 14th of February this year, she annihilated that trust in his client. Without provocation, Taylor suddenly turned to her lawyer while the court was in session and viciously attacked him. The hearing that was to determine her culpability not only fell on Valentine's Day, but also on her and Warren's wedding anniversary. Her attorney was pummeled until a sheriff's deputy removed her from the court. With a new attorney by her side, and being found competent, Taylor's trial began. Her behavior was, to say the least, very peculiar during the trial. She would often side-eye her attorney and smirking as the admission of evidence was discussed, such as the photos of Chad's head in a bucket. Suddenly she leaned forward and burst out laughing. The medical examiner verified that the dismemberment must have taken hours. Taylor would have to cut through the abdomen, through the ribs, to get to the organs she had removed one by one. Her conduct during the trial continued to shock people. She fell asleep during the trial and even at one point tried to flash the judge. Warren appears to be supporting his wife and supports her defense of mental illness and addiction issues. Her mother died at 41 years of age from alcohol-related symptoms, and her brother had died in a motorbike accident in 2022. She was raised by her father's family, but many people have had a rough time growing up, and they seem to be able to follow the law. In July, she was found guilty of all charges, and last month she was sentenced to life without parole, with additional years specifically for the sexual assault of the corpse. It took the jury a mere 15 minutes to come to this conclusion. Taylor appeared for her sentencing in a spit mask and only spoke when the judge asked her a question. 
Hopefully this will be the end of that business. Three Sons Slain 32-year-old Chad Dorms from Claremont County, Ohio, is believed to be married to a 34-year-old woman named Laura. Chad has a 16-year-old stepdaughter named Alexis, and Chad and Laura had three boys named Hunter, Clayton, and Chase. Laura was a stay-at-home mom, and the family lived in a modest three-bedroom home in New Richmond. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep Podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep Podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Life's better with American Family Insurance, because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. In the afternoon of the 15th of June, just after 4, Laura placed a call to 911, screaming that her babies were dead. At that moment, her teenage daughter was running down the street, shouting that her father was killing people. When police arrived on the scene, they discovered the bodies of three young boys and Chad sitting on his porch with a rifle on his lap. All three boys were declared dead at the scene, and all three had been shot execution style. Laura was taken to a hospital for a gunshot wound she had received in her hand. She would later that evening be informed that her three boys were dead. Chad, who had been planning the murders for a couple of months, had lined up his boys in the front of the yard and started shooting at them. One of the boys tried to escape, but Chad caught him and brought him back to continue his attack. Laura was wounded as she tried to intervene. 
Chad had been arrested previously, and specifically for choking his dad. By all counts, Chad was a loving father, and his father was convinced that Chad snapped when he committed the crime. The motive for the murders is still not known, but speculation points to a possible divorce between Laura and Chad. He has asked to be placed in protective custody. His court appearances have seen him surrounded by a heavily guarded presence. His trial is due to start on the 8th of July, 2024. He has been charged with the aggravated murder of his three sons. The children were three years old, six years old, and four years old. Zoologist faces charges. An acclaimed British zoologist, Adam Britton, appeared in court on the 22nd of September on charges related to accessing child abuse material and bestiality. He is especially well-known in his field for his work with and knowledge of crocodiles. He has pled guilty on the charges of torturing animals as well as the charges related to child abuse. The zoologist had a shipping container on his property in which he tortured and filmed dozens of dogs, the Australia Northern Territory herd. He filmed these acts specifically in what he referred to as the torture room to distribute online. The 51-year-old man had, over a period of 18 months, abused and often killed more than 42 dogs. He is said to have a sadistic sexual bent in 15 images of child abuse, which were found on his computer. Online sleuths tracked him down after carefully dissecting the videos he was distributing. During his arrest, a search was done on his property, which was an animal shelter, and various animal parts were discovered. The zoologist, who is originally from Yorkshire, is facing a serious sentence. A court date has not yet been established. Triple Dismemberment The son of a prominent Hollywood agent has been arrested in connection with the homicide of his wife and her parents at the beginning of November. Samuel Haskell IV, or Samuel Jr. as he is known, has been charged with the murders of his wife, May Lee, and her parents after a call was made to the local police regarding body parts in plastic bags. A homeless man had found the torso in a duffel bag of 36-year-old May Lee in a dumpster about five miles from the couple's residence. No other parts have been discovered, but May Lee's parents, who lived at the couple's home, have been reported as missing. Samuel Bond Haskell was born on the 3rd of April, 1988, and he has three young children with his wife, May. The family lived in a beautiful six-bedroom home in Tarzana, which is estimated to cost about $2.8 million. His father, Samuel Haskell III, was a Hollywood executive who originally came from Mobile, Alabama. He moved to Hollywood in the 60s to work for the William Morris Agency, and by 1990, he was the senior president, and by 1999, he was the worldwide head of television for the agency. Some of the big names he worked with were Dolly Parton, George Clooney, and Prince Edward. And he was also the CEO of a Miss World pageant until he resigned in 2017. His son was cut from a different cloth and has been referred to as violent, and he has had many arrests 
on record for assault. May has also disclosed to friends that her husband was abusive and that she wanted a divorce, but also that she was scared that doing so would result in her losing custody of her three boys. Her friends described Sam as weird and told reporters he gave the same kind of vibe as Jeffrey Dahmer. He never made eye contact. It's speculated that May's desire for a divorce could have been the motive for the murders. Sam had also not gotten along with her parents. He was a collector of many different weapons, and he was a very active member of social media. A group of workers reported finding bags with human remains the day before Sam was arrested on the 8th of November. He had gone out to find day laborers and asked them to remove the bags which he claimed only contained rocks. When they picked up the bags, they discovered that the bags were soft and soggy, and each weighed about 50 pounds. The bags felt as if they had meat in them, and when a worker looked into the bag, he could clearly see a belly button. The workers returned the bags to Sam and gave him the money back. Sam tried to explain that the bags contained artificial body parts, which he used for Halloween, but the workers were not convinced and left to report the discovery to the police. Two separate law enforcement agencies turned them away until they were instructed to call 911. This unnecessary delay resulted in the bags no longer being in the driveway by the time police finally investigated the report. Security footage later obtained showed Sam disposing of the same types of bags in dumpsters in different locations. Apart from the torso and the duffel bag, no other remains had been found. Despite the lack of physical evidence, the DA went ahead in charging Sam Haskell with the murder of his wife and his in-laws. The Angel Who Was a Devil the arrest of a 23-year-old man on gun charges led to the exposure of a global satanic cult. Angel Almeida's alarming social media posts led police to 764, which is a group that promotes the abuse of children and the making and distribution of violent videos. The arrest happened in New York in 2021. It led the FBI straight to the satanic, pedophilic, extortionist cult who had been abusing hundreds if not thousands of children. The FBI had been investigating the leads with vigor and on the 12th of September this year, the FBI issued a public warning about the group which has several other aliases. The publicly available group is deliberately targeting minors as victims on social media platforms to extort them into live streaming or recording acts of self-harm and to produce child sexual abuse material. The FBI advisement is the first about the group made. The group targets predominantly kids between the ages of 8 and 17 years old and focuses on minorities as well as the LGBT community or youths who struggle with mental health issues. They use gaming sites, discords, or any app easily accessible by a child, but like many pedophiles, they prefer the platform Telegram. The groups use threats, blackmail, and manipulation to get children to record acts of self-harm, sexual acts, animal cruelty, and even suicide. Lethal violence, 
Torture and gore is also used to desensitize victims during the grooming phase. The main motivation for the group members is to gain recognition and popularity within their group. It appears to be an offshoot of the group The Order of Nine, Angels, which is an amalgamation of violent Hitler worshipping, Satanism, and pagan worship. It has been connected with murders and terrorist attacks and is seen as a terrorist threat. The group has a couple thousand members across the globe and are highly active. A German teenager who killed his foster family in Romania has been linked to the organization, according to Der Spiegel. Angel is shown displaying white supremacy gear and flaunting his gun collection. The most important piece of evidence recovered from Angel's home is a blood covenant of a blood-covered hooded figure with glowing eyes with an inscription which reads, in essence, May the devil always walk with you. Angel was eventually only charged for being a felon in possession of a weapon, and in February this year, prosecutors charged him with child pornography and child exploitation after retrieving hundreds of thousands of videos and images on four separate devices belonging to him. Two examples that will likely be used in his trial is of one where he convinced a girl into sleeping with much older men, and another where he convinced the girl to cut herself. All these acts were captured and will be used as evidence. Angel has been very violent while in custody, attacking a court official in court and even attacking his own counsel. The kids are not all right. Here are a couple of cases that have hit the headlines this year so far. For obvious reasons, none of these children's names will be mentioned here. In January, a 12-year-old girl stabbed and killed her 5-year-old brother. On the 5th of January, just before midnight, in the city of Oklahoma, April Ida was awoken by her 12-year-old daughter. She told her mother that she had just stabbed her brother, to which her mother quickly responded by calling 911. The girl was immediately handcuffed and detained as EMTs attempted to perform life-saving procedures on the little boy. Video footage of the arrest has been released and is currently available on the internet. It shows the girl sobbing, apologizing and claiming that she had no idea why she had stabbed her brother. During the footage, her mother tells her that she better pray to God that the boy lives, to which she responds that she does not know what happened, and that this is some demonic shit, as she put it. She had stabbed her brother three times, and he would not survive the injuries. While in custody, she clearly had old wounds from previous self-harm incidents. April said that her daughter had been isolating herself, which she was not used to, and that she told friends that she was just not feeling right. She had also been on ADHD medication and that the self-harm started when she started taking the medication. She was told to stop the medication, but she said that she felt angry, unhappy, and irritated. She is currently detained in a juvenile detention center and is receiving appropriate treatment while awaiting a trial date. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, 
provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So, why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts, and remember, stay safe. In November this year in California, a five-year-old twin stabbed his brother to death with a small kitchen knife. The boys appeared to have been having an ordinary fight among siblings, which quickly escalated. The family and the community of Scottsdale is devastated, and due to the child's young age, no prosecution will be made. In January this year, teacher Abigail Swarner was shot by one of her students in school in the state of Virginia. She was a teacher at an elementary school and was seriously wounded when one of her six-year-old students gunned her down in class as she sat reading to her children. His mother told police that she usually locked the gun up, but this was proven to be false, and she was charged with neglect. Abigail, who was seriously injured during the attack on the 6th of January, reported that the boy often cursed at staff, used his belt to whip other students, and even crept behind his teacher, locked her neck in his arms, and refused to let go. He was subsequently transferred to another school where Abigail was his teacher. He had broken her phone by throwing it on the ground, and his outbursts continued. Despite numerous reports that he might have a weapon on him, nothing was done. No information apart from the mother's charges are currently available. Exposure causes death of four people. According to an arrest affidavit, an Idaho man has been charged with the murders of four of his neighbors after one of them exposed and masturbated in front of his family. Majron Kaler 
who was 31 years old, claimed he snapped during an argument with his neighbors in Kellogg, Idaho, after his 18-year-old neighbor was seen waving his penis around and masturbating in front of a first-floor window and in full view of his wife and daughters. The crime happened on Father's Day this year. According to police, the shooter fatally shot Kenneth Guardippi, who was 65 years old, his 41-year-old daughter, Kenna Guadurpi, and her two sons, Devin and Aiken Smith, who was 16 years old, at 7 p.m. on that Sunday afternoon. Aiken appears to have been shot once in the right temple at point-blank range with a semi-automatic handgun. Devin Smith suffered multiple gunshot wounds in his head. The boy's mother and grandfather also received one gunshot wound to the head. The shooter is currently held without bond and is, according to reports, very aware that he faces life in prison or even death. The Head in a Pot A 29-year-old woman's head was discovered in Hong Kong in a pot, cooking with potatoes and vegetables. The victim, Abby Choi, went missing on the 21st of February this year and the gruesome discovery was made on the 24th of February. Some of her body parts were also discovered in a freezer. Abby was a rising fashion star and influencer with an impressive modeling career. She had appeared in magazines such as Elle, Vogue, and Harper's Bazaar. Her ex-husband and three members of his family were arrested after finding the head boiling in a soup pot. Alex Kwong, his brother, and both his parents were arrested in connection with the murder and dismemberment of her body. The discovery was made after investigators discovered a pair of legs in the refrigerator and two pots that appeared to be containing meat in them. During the autopsy, it was determined that she had died from a large hole in her head, likely from a heavy object. The crime also appeared to have been premeditated and well-planned. Abby had been planning to sell luxury property she owned and that Alex's family had been living on. For financial reasons, Abby had placed the deed in his family's name. The family were not willing to give up the property and therefore it's speculated that Alex's brother kidnapped Abby on her way to pick up her daughter and brought her to the home where they killed and dismembered her. Her torso and arms are still missing, and the family will return to court in May. Double Decapitation On the 16th of April in New Delhi, India, a couple died by suicide by decapitating themselves with a device they had constructed themselves. Mumbai Makwana, who was 38 years old, and his wife Hansan, who was 35 years old, both died by using a homemade bladed mechanism as a sacrifice on their farm outside the city. The couple first prepared to fire <clears throat> the couple first prepared a fire altar before they put their heads into the guillotine-like contraption, which was mechanized with a rope. As soon as they released the rope, the blade decapitated them and their heads rolled into the fire. Eviction notice. Eviction is something people who rent and buy property all over the world face when they are not able to keep up with the payments. In the USA, over 38 million eviction notices were served since the beginning of the year until October. 
So far, over 7 million people have been evicted, with over 2 million being children. To Teresa Kane, the foreclosure of the property she had been living in for the last 30 years was not an option. She and her husband had bought the property in 1990 in Claremont County, Ohio. She had been waiting for the deputies to serve her and her family with a final eviction notice on the porch. And when she saw the vehicle arrive, Teresa went inside her home and first shot all the members of her family. And then herself, as horrified officials not only heard the gunshots, but the cries of help. The final visit from deputies was to help with removal of the family, of which four were killed and left one fighting for her life. This is where we will conclude the first part of our look back at the incredible stories that made the headlines this year. Remember that we will continue in two weeks' time. And as always, we appreciate the patronage that you, the listener, have shown us. Thank you once again for all the support. This episode was written by Misdemeanor. Thank you for listening to Human Monsters. Bye for now.